Hello everybody and welcome to this, the latest episode of the Rewatch Project with Hannah and Mike where we will be covering the 10th episode of season 4 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., namely the episode The Patriot. So Hannah, please tell us about this episode. Okay, I will in just one second, Michael. Okay. Uh, Is this a dramatic pause or... uh... (laughs) This might be because I wasn't quite as organised as I said I was. <laughs> um, right, so the synopsis says, separated from their team, Coulson and Mac discover a shocking secret about Mace, leaving all of S.H.I.E.L.D. in a precarious position. I, can, I reckon I can guess what this is about. I reckon that this is, and I'm not saying this from any memory, but they foreshadow it in the last episode. I think that he's going to find out that that whole th- media story about him was bullshit. Probably. You know, the whole kind of him saving the day. Mm. That's going to come out, is my prediction. It is written by James C. Oliver and Charlotte Oliver and story edited by DJ Doyle and Matt Owens. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to Who's it. Who's it directed by? Did I not just say? No. Oh, I read it. <laughs> well, <laughs> wow. So Hannah's done the world's first mental podcast. Why are you all not psychic? I know, I know. Um, Kevin Tankeron. Oh, cool. K-Tench, <laughs> as he's known on Instagram, yes. I believe. Wow, that makes sense. Uh, cool, okay. Uh, do you have any recollection of this episode from your first time viewing? No. Um, I'm pretty sure I know what happens. Okay. But because I feel like I've got some recollection of it, like in the back of my mind, I don't want to make any predictions because... I'm sure once I start watching it, I'll remember more than I think. Like, I think I know more about it subconsciously okay. than... Yeah. And when did this episode air? This aired on the 17th of January, 2000. January? January. I'm pretty sure you added a, a, a syllable there. And I'd just like to say I've had half a glass of fizzy water and one sip of tea. That so explains it. That is... January is completely <laughs> yeah it's party time now party time uh, just a quick reminder guys that we do appreciate feedback and you can send that to us at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com or you can interact with us uh, through our YouTube channel or through Instagram or Twitter where we are at a rewatch proj and um, it's also worth probably checking out the Chin Stroker versus Punter. That's my other podcast Facebook page because we also do a little bit of little bit of interacting about the show there as well. Uh, and also, please check out our friend shows, including the Good, the Bad, and the Yard. Uh, Talk with that rhythm podcast. I want to mention that as well. Uh, that's another friend show. Uh, the Iron Sequel, um, as well as a Film Bastards, Chin Stroker versus Punter, his film, her movie, and um, Entertainment Landfill. So please check out all of those shows. Talk Without Rhythm has got the most, um, it's one of those earworm adverts. Um, whenever you say Talk Without Rhythm, I hear T-W-O-R podcast dot com. The, the other funny thing is Ian, who, who hosts that, has got, and it's funny considering what I've just been watching. He is has, that El Goro? Yeah, he has exactly the same voice as Seth MacFarlane. They're like voice twins to the point where when I first heard his podcast, because I knew it was on, um, this was back in the uh, pop syndicate days, I heard a bit of it and I was like, bloody hell, they've got like a Seth MacFarlane podcast is on. I was that convinced it was him. He's got like a great kind of radio voice. Um, He looks nothing like him. Um, He's like a bodybuilding Viking looking guy. Um, But honestly, he he has got exactly the same voice as Seth MacFarlane. It's really uncanny. Um, So uh, Hannah, feedback. 
Hokey Koki. I'll uh, start with the YouTube comments as always. Oh, this one is just a little. Uh, this was on episode eight, um, the laws of inferno dynamics. Yeah. This is uh, just Silver Surfer saying, just wanted to send you both good cosmic power. Hope everything is well. Always enjoy your energy. Together. That's nice. And Silver Surfer, the character as well, of course, dispenses cosmic energy. So he's keeping it. it. He's on brand there. He's on brand. Love it. Uh, this is also on episode eight. Uh, Jack Dubs says, "My favourite part of episode eight are the scenes of the team socialising back at the base yes. at the end of the episode. That's nice. They don't usually get much of a chance to do that, so when it does happen, it's such a joy to behold." Yeah, I agree with that, and it's like I think that's the one benefit of um, the mini arc is that you get those things more often. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, it reminds me a little bit also of in the, the first season, how there would be a few episodes where they'd just be sort of sat on the plane having a couple of beers at the end, and it just gives you a sense, you know, because obviously they were trying to build up that whole family thing, and um, yeah, so it's a nice call back to that as well. Um, okay, what else you got? Uh, right, this is on episode nine, Broken Promises. Uh, Jack Dub says, "Glad you watched the Slingshot webisodes. It may not look like it now, but that little series of character moments is incredibly important in what it reveals about Elena, especially as we get into season, as especially when we get to season five. As oh. well as being a fun little promo piece for ABC, Slingshot was also the venue for one or two of the AOS production personnel, writers' assistants, and the like to get a chance to climb the career ladder." and write or direct for TV for the first time, some of whom will go on to become staff writers for AOS on later seasons. Oh, nice. It's a little Petri dish as well. Mm. I like that. Uh, I can't remember... There was one I noticed that you caught that that was... um, that one of the episodes was... I think this week's episode is written by one or more of the people who did those Yeah, yeah, the, the... Yes, um, the the writers for this mm-hmm. episode um, wrote for Slingshot. I can't remember what the uh, the episodes that sort of um, inform her character relate to in terms of the Slingshot episodes mm-hmm. in, in season five. But um, Well, you wouldn't because when you watch season five, you hadn't watched Slingshot. No, no, I know. So you wouldn't have made that connection. Yeah, that's true. Um, but like looking back, I'm trying to think what it could be and I like I can't I, I just can't piece it together so I'm looking forward to mm, well, should be having that knowledge there uh, Jack Dubs also says while also being a fun little interlude Slingshot's low stakes nature also provided opportunities to various crew members uh, oh writers assistants or production supervisors to try their hand at writing and direction television for the first time something I really love Jed Weed and Marissa Tankeron and Jeff Balfour the way they nurtured talent on their show mm-hmm. how cool is it that one day you could be buying coffee and bagels for the writing staff and the next day you could be on the writing staff well it's like um, it's very true one of the all time great Star Trek writers DC Fontana um, she was Jean Roddenberry's secretary mm. you know and she'd go on and write for she's the only person who wrote for um Star Trek, the original series, The Next Generation, and Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Uh, and she's the only writer who's ever written for Star Trek and Babylon 5 as well. You know, and she was, right. she was his secretary, you know. Yeah. And uh, it was the 60s. <laughs> you know, so I mean, that, well, this is that's true. extra crazy. 
Um, thank you both for those comments. That's awesome. No, yeah, that's brilliant. Love um, it. We also have an email here called Listener in Chicago. Um, hi, both. Frank from the States here. I have just been cast in a stage production of Chicago. <laughs> Is that what the, uh, the, uh, the, the, the subject line is in reference to? <laughs> um, the next one's going to be, <laughs> listen in, the sound of music. <laughs> uh, um, I hope you are both well and wanted to let you know that I am listening. Found you around episode 10 and have gone back and started re-watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. from the beginning. I even watched V and Watchmen, which I have never seen before and really oh, wow. liked. V particularly surprised me, considering it was made by NBC in the 80s. It's actually kind of a miracle that it is as good as it is, considering its context. Mm. Really looking forward to your coverage of the later seasons of S.H.I.E.L.D., as that's where the show really comes into its own. Um, I hear a lot of people are asking for you to cover Babylon 5. I have never seen a single episode of it. <laughs> but we'll definitely listen along as I enjoy you guys so much. Thanks for the show and speak soon, Frank. Thank you, Frank, and yeah. welcome. I'm so pleased to hear that you're listening. Glad that you enjoyed V. Yeah, absolutely, and Watchmen too. Like, mm. that's, that's really cool to know that um, we've, we've put at least one person on to something that they haven't yeah. seen before. And I, I think awesome. that at least one person who's listened has gone the other way as well, haven't they? And they're watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. having, was it, uh, what was her yeah, name? Um, oh, what was her name? Don't worry about it. I'll, uh, Claire, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, um, she had come to us through French. Yeah, yeah, Claire. Is. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, so that's really, mm. that's awesome. Um, that is our whole feedback. Awesome. And also, I will say um, that um, if we were to cover Babylon 5, I think we definitely have to reintroduce a spoiler section. Yeah, I mean... Because that's of... much more of a um, sort of seeds of things planted early, kind of re-watching it being a very different experience. I mean, yeah. there's, there's elements of that in S.H.I.E.L.D., but really, once you get past the Grant Ward stuff, because that was where... I was thinking about this, actually, not that long ago, how the podcast has kind of morphed into not having a spoiler section. Yeah. And it really is because that first and second season, there is such a big secret. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could do still do a spoiler section, but it, it would be... It's 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 easier not to because yeah. I mean I, for example I can think of a few specific things where we're watching it and it'd be like, it like it would be fun to be able to say stuff like oh it's funny that that happened because later on this is going to happen to them yeah but if they sort of don't make for good podcasting yeah but, but if, if 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 just not being able to have these tiny little asides means that we don't have to complicate the format of the show fine but I yeah. think for a show like Babylon Five uh, you have to have a spoiler section because I think in some ways. It's the very essence of the concept of our show. Yeah. It's it's kind of the ultimate rewatch show. Oh, totally. It, it, and and, it, and it's, also, it's one of those shows as well where a lot of people have said, and I've, I've kind of said this myself as well, that the ultimate Babylon 5 viewing experience is the second time that you watch it. Yeah. You know? And, um, you know, there are so many things that you would want to be able to discuss in detail Yeah. Um, that if you are watching it for the first time would just be like catastrophic to yeah. know. But what I will say is people who are listening along to this podcast and are watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for the first time 
do you remember to go back and check out the spoiler sections of the show from those earlier ones? Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah absolutely. It's not a nice little sort of uh, victory lap for the so, podcast. Sort of sometimes thing. we have some insights and other times we're quite drunk. <laughs> yeah, that's a point. They're at the end of the show, aren't they? That's the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but not now, because we are we are saintly in we, our water drinking. You know, drinking, we're polishing we? our sober halos and having a lovely time. <laughs> we're going anywhere. Okay, so on that note, uh, we're going to hit pause. We're going to watch uh, the episode The Patriot, uh, the 10th episode of Season 4 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and then we will come back and we will uh, riff, react, and review um, this episode. So uh, back shortly. The Mulberry Boys. Every Friday night on the show, you better know they keep it tight. ETL is back and the J-Strom's in the zone. Introduce the co-host, he doesn't do it alone. PCZ is about to hold court. You know he's on the headset, you can hear him snort. Pop culture movies, TV shows and games. Rotten Tomatoes reviews news and Blu-rays. Foggy don't play around, he will bust a drop fast. Welcome to the Entertainment Landfill Podcast. The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. What? what? The Jason and Steven Show. It's the Jason and Steven Show. So we've just finished watching The Patriots, the 10th episode of Season 4 of Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Hannah, opening statements. Oh, it was a goodie. Oh, what a goodie. Um, oh, that was a real, oh, my giddy aunt. Oh, my goodness, <laughs> mate. Um... Oh, I just loved it. It's I've been waiting for it to be revealed that um, Mace is in fact not Ace. Because I um, don't remember this at all. Well, I, he's I, Ace, I, but he is regular human Ace. Yes, uh, but I, I mean, I rem- I remember there being some shadiness, but I, I just remember it being that the that I remembered the whole sort of manufactured image part of it. Mm. Um, but and then that is foreshadowed earlier in the season as well when he has that yeah. conversation with the senator. But I didn't remember that it was like a sort of you know compound V mm. kind of kind of thing. I I knew that it was, um, and I've been waiting for it to come out. And I knew that it would that it was like not miles into the. Season. It's funny because I know you you remember things in like clumps because yeah. I remember you couldn't remember. Who was the director of Shield? No. So it's like you'd forgotten that Mace existed at all. Yeah. But as soon as that memory was unlocked, all of the all of the other little you know <laughs> mem- yeah. member berries kind yeah. of. Uh, <laughs> I had completely forgotten that he was even in the season. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like as as that first episode went on, I was like, oh, that's right, and he does this, and da da da, and yeah. Um. I thought it was a great episode in really cementing with the public, with the the viewers, sorry, public, it's like, say, the audience for a Mm. bloody sporting match. Um, (laughs) You do that, Hannah. (laughs) I wonder, Michael. um, it, It was a good way to cement that he is inherently a good person yeah um he may have uh on the surface done like looks like he's done some shady things but there's always been uh good intent at the base of it um so it was a good way of showing that 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 okay you could spin what he's done as really like terrible stuff but 
Um, it it means depends just what kind of PR person you've got. Like, yeah, and the, I mean the other thing is as well is that depends if you're reading the Daily Mail or I don't know the Guardian. Yeah, I mean it's his motivations were aspirational. Those could be really bad examples of like, <laughs> bad papers. But do you know what I mean though? Yeah, because he aspired to be a noble person. Yeah, and he felt noble when there was his misunderstanding, and. You know, so there was a slightly self-serving element there in the way that it was. It but was in a- the in sorry, in the same way that um, you know, um, in in the same way of how some people get anorexia when someone says, "Oh, don't you look amazing? Mm. Have you lost weight?" and they go way too far with it, mm. and you know, end up well, like I mean, skeleton. what he did was he he took a shortcut, mm. you know, but at the same time. You know, where do you draw the line? I mean, Captain America's powers basically came from a drug. Well, they did. Yeah. You know, so, so it's, it is, there is a matter of perspective going on here. And, you know, what he did was, it's like, I mean, it's like the, the classic in the pale moonlight thing. It's like, you know, on Deep Space Nine where, you know, mm. they lie to get the Romulans into the war. And they talk about how dishonourable it is, but it saves lives. You know, yeah. it's uh, it's it's one of those kind of like practical decisions. I suppose the difference between him and Captain America is the drug that Captain America had, aside from the physical things about making him taller and stronger and what have you, it enhanced his natural gifts. Yes. Like if you're good, you become great. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're bad, you become evil yeah um like so, i'd become some kind some kind of like um other level super eater <laughs> if i took mine <laughs> i'd be able to just eat like skips full of food and be fine you know it's uh, yeah <laughs> but uh, no I, I like this episode as well i don't think it's one of the stronger ones of the season but i think that in some ways this was the but it's very solid no but it is but what, what i was about to say was it's the classic it's a classic chessboard episode mm. because this episode had to achieve certain things. It had to get Coulson back into a position of power within Shield. Yeah. It had to cap off the um, Mace storyline. It had to reintroduce Talbot, and it had to do the stuff with Radcliffe and Ava, and also show um, that Fitz is having a descent into shadiness yeah. around the whole Ada thing. And you, I get the feeling that this this episode feels like one of those episodes where, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it was mandated. There was like, yeah. a, okay, writers of the week, um, do whatever you want, yeah. but we need you to do this, 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 this and this. Yeah. And they, they can be quite thankless episodes. Uh, and I've noticed that, I don't know if Monica Owusu-Breen isn't on the show anymore, because she usually did those episodes. Mm. And I haven't, she hasn't had a credit in a while. And I wasn't, I don't think I saw her on the credits as a producer, which you usually have. So I think maybe at this point she's actually gone off. She's not on the she's not on the show at this point. Mm, she stops at season three. Ah, uh, okay, yeah. So that makes sense because she she usually would write these sort of like I say these moving things around the chessboard. Uh, but um, another thing that you tend to see with these episodes are that they don't tend to use the entire cast that much. Yeah, you know they sort of cherry pick who they need. But um, so you know, you don't see Yo Yo, or you know, a, a little bit of that. But but no, I thought it was really solid. I think that it was it was it was very necessary at this point, and I think that bringing some storylines to uh, to closure, but emphasising 
the I've got to be careful what I say here because that does show a little bit of knowledge. Emphasizing other certain story elements mm. that are obviously going to be quite yeah. key coming up. It was nice to see Hunter Beck. <laughs> oh, very good. <laughs> I was like, what? I said, mate, but it's like. <laughs> You look so good. I was like, did I miss something? Uh, okay, let's go. I love into... that he calls Simmons Poppins. <laughs> yeah. I, I just it. love the way, I've got a note about it later, but I just love the way that Talbot speaks. Yeah. You know, it's just so blustery and kind of um, politically. I love that he calls the Russian guy Pushkin. Yeah. And I love the fact that, that when he, he's, he's barking orders like, you with the hair. <laughs> and the guy does have slightly ridiculous hair as well. Like, it's a... yeah, I can imagine if your other co-host Paul ever became part of a military operation, he'd have a touch of the Talbots about him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, big bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's what we're talking about. So we see Mace doing a speech at the beginning of the episode, introducing Daisy. And I was thinking, when I was watching this. I'm like. That's going to make her undercover work quite difficult, isn't really it? Really hard. I mean, I suppose she's already being sort of hasty. So I think that that's... But maybe that's the new shield, is the fact that they're trying to push her over more onto the sort of superhero side than they are keeping her in shield within... You know, yeah. in the same way that you've got, like, Captain America and, yeah. you know, Hawkeye and all of the, you know, the it's, Avengers it's and all. It's not about uh, fake accents and different hairdos pretending to be, you know... Yeah. Uh, whoever Simmons was trying to be in the last episode. And I noticed, I'd be curious to see, it might actually, I don't think it's happened yet, but it's San Diego Comic Con this weekend, which is when all the big geek announcements happen. Mm. And I noticed that somebody posted, um, said fans of at Chloe Bennett might want to tune into Comic Con this weekend for a big surprise announcement, and it was hashtag Agents of Shield. Oh, right. So, be, so my suspicion is that she, that her character, is going to be in some Marvel thing uh, and that they're kind of unveiling that. Uh, We see Mac and Coulson working security and they're doing the full-on kind of, um, you know, uh, guy guarding Ronald Reagan with the earpiece and the tie kind of uh, of thing. They do have a little bit of a vibe of um, uh, Mel Gibson and Danny Glover in Lethal Oh yeah. Three, when they're when put they back demoted? on the beach, yeah, 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 like they're like, oh god, we're gonna have to kick off at people for jaywalking, kind yeah, of thing. Kind of expected Max shirt to open and find out he's got a girdle on. Or yeah, something. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He does. He feels like they're on grunt detail a little yeah, bit, yeah. doesn't it? Um, and we see uh, we see Talbot. Um, we, we you see you get a real sense that Daisy's kind of uncomfortable uh, being in the in the public light and doesn't take compliments well. Mm. You know, she's sort of uh, like the woman's. Uh, there's a lady giving a speech about how she saved her and she just looks really uncomfortable. And I think, in some ways, that scene's there to contrast her with um, Mace, who was, who was very more than happy to kind of take the credit and do that. But again, like you say, I think the subtlety of the character of Mace is that his motivation for wanting to take the credit wasn't just that he was a dick. It was that it made him the man he wanted to be. Yeah. You know, and it was almost as though he figured, well... I'll get all of the the um, the lording and all of that kind of the credit, and I'll earn it retroactively. You know that seems to be his yeah, kind of. It, it, it's almost like um, this is the man I want to be. I want to live up to the hype. Yeah. Um, because you know he's kind of 
you figure that he's slightly self-hating. Yeah. Um, and he wants to be a better person, but he doesn't know how to be. Yeah, and you can, and that's that's reflected in his kind of inability to make decisions. Yeah. You know, he's very safe. Yeah. About a lot of things. Yeah. And um, you know, whereas you've got to but, make the big swing sometimes. You know, Coulson is right in terms of the political stuff. He's excellent. Yeah. Um, and can talk a good game. Yeah. Well, it's like the old Serrano de Bergerac thing, isn't it? It's like you need one person to be kind of the front and somebody to actually kind of... And that's kind of how it works in the real world. Yeah. So we see that as a shooter on the roof. Talbot starts throwing his weight around a little bit as well. Like you say, embarking orders at everybody and taking over. Um, I keep thinking that it's Paul. <laughs> Rad- Rad- <laughs> Radcliffe wants to start the program up again, but Fitz tells him to sort of steer clear of the office. But crucially, he doesn't say no. No, just wants him to lay low for a bit. Yeah, yeah. Mm. He's kind of, well, he's been kind of mace like about it. He's been political and thinking politically about well, it. And this is the thing because Fitz ultimately um, is enamoured with the technology and the science and wants to further that like he's you can see he's getting a little bit addicted to it yeah absolutely mm. and Radcliffe's also uh, obviously out of earshot because uh, like you know, the second of course Fitz leaves you know Ada too walks out mm. and Radcliffe's basically main concern is because he's sort of uh, persona non grata at, at the Shield headquarters. He can't keep an eye on the LMD May. Yeah, and he's worried that you know who doesn't realise she's an LMD. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's worried that she'll be exposed if he's yeah. not there to kind of keep an eye on things. Um, we see Daisy questioning the shooter. Um, we see the marketing guy get sucked out the plane uh, or off down a hole, if you will. Sucked off down a hole. And the uh, the plane crashes. And basically, what we oh, learn is that is that the um, the sniper was Plan A and this is Plan B. And that the the approach that they took was that they know, kind of almost like mathematical probability, a bit like that Fringe episode, mm. where basically they they're like, well, this will happen. If this happens, they'll go here. So they kind of hoped the sniper would work, but figure it didn't. But also knew that certain. Um, Contingencies would mm. go would go into play yeah. that would put certain people in certain places, and then they can have another crack mm. at it. Um, we, another thing as well that is interesting is you do get a slight backtrack on the moustache twirling of Radcliffe because he's telling Ada he kind of scolds Ada for killing. Yeah, he's like you know. I mean, he's not losing any sleep about it, but he's like, it's not necessary. Mm. So there's maybe a touch, just a touch of humanity there, as opposed to just pure sort of Mister Burnsian kind of evil. Um, I don't know if it's evil as much as it is um, absolute tunnel vision in terms of. This is what I want, and I absolutely well, well, don't that's what care I thought. about how I get there. But in the last episode, they showed him kind of enjoying being evil. Yeah, yeah, that's you know, and that was a big thing in the last episode was that it wasn't just he wasn't just being you know Werner von Braun or mm. uh, Oppenheimer. Um, he was like uh, he was relishing being evil. Mm, yeah. Whereas in this episode, I th- it, it does feel like they've taken that back a little bit. Yeah. Um, and you could play devil's advocate and say, well, no, he's only pissed off with her killing because it leaves a trail of bodies and it can make it more difficult. Mm. But 
you do get the feeling that he thinks it's kind of a bit sort of unseemly almost um so we see that what well, we learn from radcliffe that may's mission has been planted in her subconscious mm. so she's not consciously doing things but she's going to be maneuvering herself self into positions of trust and power and access that will ultimately lead her to being able to get the dark hold. Yeah, it's very much a subconscious yeah. thing for her. So, so when Radcliffe's talking to Ada, basically what he says is that the initial kind of Terminator, he just hit the base. That was the quick method. That didn't work. Mm. So they're going to play a slightly longer game now, which is one, you know, more of a covert mm. uh, game. Yeah. And um, Talbot gives May some extra security access. Um, so we can see that it's working you know that she's manoeuvring herself into these positions and like I say I love the way that how the sort of pulpy kind of way that Talbot speaks it's almost that fast Jimmy Cagney is you know kind of um, metaphorical way of talking mm. um, so one of the big mysteries of this episode is what's in the briefcase we've seen What's in, several, in what's in the briefcase? You scared me then. It was such a sudden movement. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like oh, my giddy aunt. <laughs> Back to that again. Um, uh, so, because we've seen well, it. They do have a hidden in a box at one point. They do, yes. You're right, actually. Gosh, it all it all just comes together, doesn't it? Um, Maybe we should call it, I don't know, eight. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Um, a sequel. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Mace wants them to find the case. Mace wants the case. Mace on the case. Um, and Fitzsimmons. Ace Mace is on the case. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then he changes his mind. Mace doesn't about face about the case. <laughs> and goes to a different place. Um, so F- Fitzsimmons. Maybe preface. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Preface the case of the of Macy's about face about the case. Um, so Fitzsimmons argues. Um, Fitzsimmons argue about the Ada project. Yeah, uh, and a, you can see that there's a bit of a bit of tension going on there. And she wants him to let it go, and he basically you know, implies that he is, but he he can't quite let it lie. He's still like, but but you know, the the science behind it's fine. You it's know, but like. <laughs> When when you and I have a fight and you're still convinced you're right about something. And you know why that is? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know why that is? <laughs> but there'll be a hint of, yes, yes, dear. But we all know that. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, then. <laughs> yes. You are right. I remember, my, I remember, one of the, I remember when I, I was a kid and my sister and I would argue all the time. I remember one time I managed to send her into a rage just by thinking at her. And like, she was just like, you've always got to have the last word, haven't you, Mike? And I just let over and just looked at her. And she knew I was just thinking yes. <laughs> and she was like, you have a... I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I just put my hands up like I'm not saying anything. Like, <laughs> so um, we see May wake up for real. Uh, and we learn later that basically what it is is because they've given her this this sort of tranquil kind of rancho relaxo kind of. Um, and she says, "I knew this. I knew this had to be fake or a, a, something to that effect. Yeah. I knew, I knew this couldn't be real, or I knew I must have been dreaming. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, because I mean, basically, what they've done is they've they've put her in the matrix essentially, yeah. and um, the, the, but what they learn is that she thrives on. Um, Challenge. Conflict. You know, conflict. Mm. So um, 
she is going to just feel like something is amiss, mm. you know, because she can't relax, basically. No. Um, and you see that she's in her always, relationship. She's always looking for where it's going to go wrong if she's in a relaxing situation. Yes. So it's it's it does the opposite. It puts her on high alert. But if she's in a, a heavily violent situation, the the alert is like the danger is out in front of her. So yeah. there's nothing yeah. to be worried about. She can see. Yeah, it. she likes to know where she stands. Yeah. And I love the pulling the tube out the nose thing. Oh, That's yeah. really gross. And also, I want to mention, I, I didn't do a note about this. I've had a nasogastric tube before and, and yeah. Yeah, they, not nice. They suck. Um, I, I've, I've, I didn't actually make a note about this, but uh, I... I made a mental note about it there's two utterances of give us the room in this <laughs> twice and it's one like I said last week it's one of those things like um, not on my watch uh, that I would love to say in real life but I know I will never um, get the opportunity to do that it's just not uh, well, in a weird way I kind of hope like I'm trying to imagine applying that just to everyday work like because you give us the room no <laughs> and they re- they reply with not on my watch. I'm like ah, you stole it. You got it away from me. So um, so Ada grabs the newly awakened uh, May, and of course it looks really bad from um, Radcliffe's perspective because he's just like right, okay, no killing. And then he walks back in, and he's like, what did I tell you? You know, because she's got her mother's throat, and he's like, sort of- it, it it had that sort of that vibe of um, telling a two-year-old not to do something, turn your back, turn around, and they're doing exactly yeah. what you told them not well, to do. Well, have you seen that famous cake video? No. It's like it's a, some parent set it up, and it, it's it's one of the most incredible pieces of humanity I've ever seen. They set a camera up in the kitchen, and there's this incredible-looking, beautiful, fully-made cake, and there's this kid who's probably about... Five maybe, yeah. and the mum goes. Remember, you know, remember Johnny. You can't eat the cake. And he's like, okay, mum. And she walks out. And this video is just five minutes of him standing, looking at the cake, and going, Ugh. and then going to have some. And like, no, I can't, I can't. And it just, it just goes on yeah. this conflict. And then he wanders off. And then you just see him run back in and just grab the cake and start splitting it because he's just he obviously makes a decision. Well, I'm going to have to, if I'm going to have some of it. Yeah. If you're going to do the do the time, yeah. do the crime, and well, it's just. I mean, my mum said that to me. I think she said I was either three or four, and she had made a chocolate cake to take. We were going to someone's house for dinner or something, and she'd made a chocolate cake to take. And she well, had, chocolate cake to take. Yes, indeed. <laughs> we'll be back on that. <laughs> she made a chocolate cake to bring with us. <laughs> um, did, she, did she bake the cake that you were going to take? <laughs> <laughs> that was a mistake. Leave me with it. God, Carol, let's go over the story. <laughs> Don't you mean spake? <laughs> Don't you go away and wet myself. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, God. Please don't say anything. Okay. Else. <clears throat> <Yeah>. um. <laughs> You've got to say it. You can't tell the story without saying the words. <laughs> Okay, so she told me I wasn't allowed to touch 
the confectionery <laughs> object. Okay. Um, and she she left it on the kitchen bench, and um, <laughs> <laughs> the story is so much worth it. <laughs> Quite a journey. Um, anyway, she went to get something and came back and said there were three big bites taken out of it. I'd got up onto the kitchen bench. I hadn't touched it, and I said that to her. I didn't touch it. I had clean hands, but I yeah, but you're your mouth. But I'd literally just bitten three massive great big bites of it. Yeah. And she was like, cake. Hannah, you're 18 years old. <laughs> <laughs> you should know better. <laughs> wow, that was quite the interlude. My Ooh. goodness. Um, so they decide to sedate May. Um, and which I think <laughs> everything sounds like it ran. <laughs> oh, this is sober, Hannah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I just keep expecting you to say that. <laughs> okay, I, I, I assure you it's that. my base. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh god right sorry everybody that's okay right you ready okay. yeah right so daisy goes crazy <laughs> no she doesn't <laughs> we're gonna have to call this like the dr seuss episode <laughs> Right, so so May is sat in Colson's car, yeah, and then Daisy <laughs> um, comes in and talks to her about an early mission with Colson. And this is interesting because this is the first time that you ever get a sense that Daisy knows that there's some th- sort of frisson between uh, Colson and May. Yeah, um, and she's like, you know what I mean, you know what I'm talking about when when she says, you know. But but I also think that what you're also seeing is. May knows that strange things are afoot. She just yeah. knows. It's like even LMD, May, because she's presumably, seemingly got all of May's memories yeah. and personality, um, of course she'd figure it out, mm. you know, because she's got an incredible bullshit detector. Yeah, and, yeah um, absolutely. And actually... And she says that. She says she can't shake a feeling that something's off. The one thing I thought... The way she worded something in that car when she's talking about when Daisy asks her if if Coulson never let her drive the car, yeah, and she she doesn't say I remember the time he blah blah blah. Yeah, she goes, I have this. Uh, she says something like I have this memory in my head or this picture in my yeah, head yeah. over time. And it's like... She's almost distancing herself from it. Yeah, I like the way they phrase it because it's kind of like suggesting to Daisy on, on a, on a sub-level yeah. that, that it's not her memory, it's something that's in her head yeah, it's and all, she it's, should know it, but she doesn't know... It's Blade Runner. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it is, very Blade Runner. So... Um, Daisy just knows that something is happening between them. Mace won't tell them what's in the case. <laughs> Sorry, that's just the, the sentence I've got written down here. That's what started this all up. 
Okay, that's enough. Um, we see Tolbert in terror. I love the fact that he calls Hydra agents squidheads, yeah. which kind of uh, makes sense. So we learn that this, um, well, Gemma realises that there's some file that she now has access to. It's called Project Patriot. Mm. And she calls um, Tolbert out on this. Uh, and basically he knows about it. He says, he tells him to clear the room. Yeah, There's yeah. room clearing going on. Um, I mean, if I do that, it's going to be because yeah, there's just like... Farted. All this party poppers from like all stuff, tinsel from a kid's party no, or something. you'll take it literally like clear the room without telling anybody to... Do it. <laughs> I'll just, just clear the room. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we learn that the reason that Mace is never far away from the briefcase is... It's <laughs> like right there. <laughs> um, is that there's... Um, there's some syringes in there, so yeah. you know we're seeing that he's he's juicing, basically, he juicing. and that he's unable to fight um, because he hasn't juiced, um, and gets oh so close to juicing himself. He and does gets uh, falls at the last hurdle. Yep, and um, we see that um, well we learn that this came from Tolbert that it was Tolbert's initiative mm. to do this. Uh, and basically, they made him so he could be an enhanced leader. Was the fact that they knew that they wanted somebody who was enhanced as the leader, but they didn't have anybody who had the right um, sort of credentials or personality type. So they created somebody basically, yeah. Yeah. and he fit the bill because he was the sort of uh, the golden boy, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and again, it's the same way that you get like people who these sort of idiotic uh, candidates who get put forward because they just look the part. You know, yeah. or they've got the right dad or something. Yeah. Um, so, so um, he does have that sort of clean cut. I'm going to save everybody. Look about him. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I like the fact, and I am, I, I am convinced that this is a deliberate ref- reference, a deliberate reference, um, where he says that they're they're, they're mostly idiots. And mostly. Mostly. You know, yeah. she actually repeats the word. Yeah. And it, it, it feels like it's an alien reference. And this was around the time that there, that was getting memed quite a lot. Um, oh, I was just thinking South Park. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we see... Night. Mostly. Mostly. Um, so they they do the head trick with Ada to get the uh, the, the Russian guy to talk. Um, Mace goes into sort of self-pity mode. And this is where you see that Coulson is the right man to be the true leader because he bolsters him up yeah. and that's a skill that he's got that Mace oh, doesn't 100%. Mace is great at doing the um, the PR stuff yeah. and the dealing with the journos and all that kind of thing um, but Coulson kind of spin doctoring but Coulson is a leader a true leader mm. in the way that he um, he his team are all better at the things that they do than he is well, but he can marshal them you yeah, know and he doesn't lose his head when they are seemingly outnumbered outgunned no. like he works out how they're going to do it he's like it's that you know it ain't over till the fat lady sings yeah. mentality whereas Mace is ready to kind of throw the towel in yeah um, can't see how they're going to survive it yeah he doesn't have that much from the start yeah he doesn't have that kind of psychological agility that, no. that, to, to, that Coulson's got to be able to go, okay, well, this has gone south, so we need to recalibrate yeah. the, our, our thoughts. It's, and- it's a bit like um, um, <clears throat> in uh, The Martian, when, like, at the very, very end, um, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, um, when he's um, talking to the class of astronauts at the mm. at the you know space center space college yeah. um 
about how Star school. you work the problem. Yeah. So and and that's the thing, like stuff stuff invariably always goes wrong. Yeah. It's working the problem. Work out yeah. what your next step is. Don't look ten steps ahead of you. Because that's when you panic. <clears throat> yeah. Look yeah. at the next thing. And that's something that that you know. You know, mental health professionals tell you is something that you have to apply to everyday life. Oh, 100%. Because as silly as it yeah. sounds, I'm not, you know, obviously, clearly I'm not an astronaut, but I'll have days at work where I'll, I'll be going in and I'll be thinking of all the stuff that I'm doing and I'll start to get a bit, oh my God, yeah. I've got to do this. And then I just go into this thing of like, right, okay, I know that everything, I've got a plan, mm. so what's the first thing? Mm. Let's do the first thing. And you have, to, you have to be mindful and aware of all the other stuff that's coming so you can pace yourself and prioritise. Mm. But... Do that, and then once you've done that, you know, and, and that's the thing that Corson's good at. So what we see here is he immediately takes charge of the yeah. situation. Yeah. Um, he gives the, the director <clears throat> his costume, but basically tells him to blag it. He's mm. like, they don't know that you don't have any powers. Mm. So they know that you've got powers. Just put a show on. Exactly. Mm. So just go out there and blag it. Um, Corson gets to use his shield, which is always nice. I said, you know, a little bit like how... Um, you know, Knight Rider goes convertible every so often. It's always good Indeed. to see. Yeah. Uh, we see uh, Mac gets stuck with a crappy little pickaxe as opposed to his uh, his usual steed. Um, and also, I noticed when Quake saves the day, there's this little bit of theme, orchestral theme, that I haven't heard before. And I'm thinking, is that the Quake theme? Oh. Has she got a theme here, I don't I'm know, wondering? I didn't, I didn't um, notice it. I like the fact that when May comes in, she just twats the guy over the head with a spade. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice, yeah. uh, a nice move. And um, Radcliffe realises, this is the point where Radcliffe realises that a spar is a bad idea and that violence calms her, mm. and May that is. Uh, we see that Fitz is secretly working on Ada. Uh, Coulson kicks off at Tolbert and basically just gives him a dressing down for all the sort of web of bullshit that he's... Um, well, it's unnecessary drama yeah. that he's caused. Yeah. And we get the second <laughs> week in, uh, can we have the room of the episode here? Yeah. We learn about Vienna. We learn that basically what happened was that Mace tripped... He was in the dark, he had smoke in his eyes, and that the photograph of him seemingly heroically shielding uh, a victim um, was just random happenstance. Mm. And uh, But, you know, he used that platform to, to hopefully do good. That it's was a, his... It's a big commentary on social media in general, because yeah. you think of the amount of images where you think people have, like, a blissed-out life, or... Yeah. <clears throat> the perfect relationship or it's a millisecond in time exactly um you have no idea what is going on with anybody yeah the, the other thing that you learn about mace here is that he if we had to take him at his word he's serious about feeling that inhumans should have equal human rights you mm. know um he says that he will resign and reinstate colson but colson rejects this and basically says look you be the face but I'm going to be calling the shots from here. So that's the big kind of like fuck yeah moment at the yeah. end of the episode. Yeah. And then we see the LMD May um, sees her robotic innards and um, thinks, <clears throat> hmm, that's odd. Um, and then we finish up. So any final thoughts before we wrap things up, Em? Um, Let me guess. You're looking forward to the next episode. Oh, well, of course. Um I've really enjoyed recording this episode because I haven't laughed like that in quite a while. Um, and it was, uh, you know, when you have a really good laugh, it's quite therapeutic. You feel quite like, oh, I feel oh good. yeah. The thing that, that sets me off like that is seeing other people laugh. Like there's a, um, this is some niche stuff, but there's a an Oasis video podcast that I watch. It's this guy who does it, this James who does uh, like Oasis commentary. And, um, 
he did a video where he was reviewing this really shit YouTube channel and he the whole video is him just losing it and not being able to speak and having to say I'm gonna have to cut all of this but he just put it out anyway and there's yeah. something about watching it's like watching blooper reels isn't yeah, it yeah you know watching other people losing it is just absolutely hilarious but anyway Hannah what are we talking about next time we're in episode 11 of um you know we're not that far off our hundredth episode of the podcast but we're on episode 86 86 yeah so we're getting there so f- uh oh it'll be we will have finished season yeah, four yeah. yeah well it'll probably be one of our sorbet yeah episodes we might have to do a, a special um right so the next episode is called wake up uh may works to uncover the truth about what happened to her ada's next move puts everyone's life at risk it is directed by jesse botchko and written by drew greenberg oh good stuff looking forward to that i am looking forward to it just before we go what's your summary of today um not to really like it like i say good chess piece episode uh chess board episode i should say and it's nice to get a bit of clear motivation about mace as well yeah really curious to see where they go with the mace storyline because i don't remember that at all so uh, that should be a treat yeah cool okay well um quick reminder that we really appreciate feedback at rewatchprojectpodcast at gmail.com also check us out on instagram and twitter at rewatchproj check out our friend shows apple podcast reviews are always appreciated and if you listen to us on youtube please like and subscribe uh that and set alerts as well apparently that's something that you're meant to remind people to do so uh, yeah that's us for this week guys and we will see you soon bye-bye bye bye